Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. You know, there are many kind of bridges that get built, aren't there? Some of wood, some of stone, some of steel. Some are small, and let's just be honest, some are downright enormous. But they all have the same function. Think about it. A bridge. Span a chasm, link a divide, bridge a gap to make it possible that ever who's on one side can get to the other. And I want to take you, if I can, just on a little personal trip because I've seen some of the world's greats privileged in travel to be in Zambia in the town of Fredericton where one of the seven wonders of the world exists, Victoria Falls. And across it is Victoria Bridge. I've been on it. It was officially opened by Professor Sir George Darwin, who was the son of Charles Darwin. It was opened on September 12th, 1905. Think about that. The bridge is 650 feet in length, 420 feet above the river floor, and it carries a road, a railway, and a foot trail. It's spectacular. And people love to even go over there and bungee jump off it, of which I wanted to do and they wouldn't let me. <laughs> the National Unity Bridge in Guayaquil, Ecuador, been there twice. It is 7,172 feet in length, and its uniqueness is that it intersects four bridges crossing over two rivers, and it's absolutely stunning. The pictures don't even do it justice. I'm sure many of you have been to the Brooklyn Bridge, opened in 1883. It took 14 years to build, and it spans 1,595 feet, all suspended by four cables. And they're the same cables today. Think about that, 1883. But its great marvel was when in 1884, P.T. Barnum led a herd of 21 elephants across that bridge. Now I want to say that again, it opened in 1883. It's got four cables completely holding it up. And he draws 21 elephants across the bridge. The average weight of an elephant, to put it in perspective, that's 147 tons in 1884. The Golden Gate. Construction began in 1934. It took only four years to complete. At one time, it was the world's longest suspension bridge, 4,200 feet length. I'm guessing that many of you may have never even heard of this bridge, and yet maybe you've not been there. It doesn't get a lot of attention, but at one time, it was the longest suspension bridge in the Western Hemisphere. It's the Mackinac Bridge. It opened in 1957 and spans 26,372 feet, 4.999 miles, almost five miles in length. And the personal story I have, I've been on it multiple times, but the first time I was on it, I was a little kid, five years of age. 
And they walk, they do walks across the bridge. We were two and a half miles in when I turned to my mom and said, where's the bathroom? (laughs) Now I want to tell you, it's one thing when you're five and you got to go potty. It's another when you're surrounded by water. (laughs) And if you've not been to that bridge, you can pee off that bridge and be done before it even hits the water below. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's. It's crazy, but I want you to know I actually made it. My parents still talk about it. This one is very near and dear to many of us, very close, but it's the Sioux City Bridge. Construction began in 1943 along with Crazy Horse with hopes it would be completed before Jesus would return. And (laughs) keeping true with Sioux City, Uh, No kidding, the tables in Vegas favor the Vikings winning the Super Bowl before that bridge will ever be completed. Um, But by the way, have you ever been to Omaha? Has anybody ever been down to Omaha lately? Have you ever noticed that the same crew that's been working Sioux City is working down there? (laughs) I don't know how many times I go through there and it's like, do they ever get anything done? But there were two brothers, don't want you to miss the story living on adjoining farms when they fell into a conflict after 40 years of working together. As usual, it began over a small misunderstanding, but it grew to a major difference and finally exploded into exchange of bitter words followed by silence. One morning, there was a knock, a knock on the oldest brother's door. He opened to find a man with a carpenter's box. I'm looking for a few days of work, he said. Perhaps you have some jobs I could do. Absolutely, he said, I have just the job for you. I want you to turn and look across that creek. You see that farm? That's my youngest brother. Last week, there was a meadow between us, but he took a bulldozer and put a creek now between us. But I want to do him one better. You see that pile of old lumber? I want you to build an eight-foot-high fence between us so I can't see his farm and I can't see him anymore. The older brother went to town that day. When he returned, his eyes were met, not with a fence, but with a bridge stretching from one side of the creek to the other. And before he could speak a word, he noticed his younger brother coming toward him with his arms outstretched. You're quite a brother, he said. After all I said and done, I can't believe that you would build this bridge. And before he could explain the younger brother fell in his arms and they embraced. With that, the carpenter began to walk away when the older brother turned and said, wait, please stay. We have other projects for you to build for us. The carpenter then responded, my friends, I'd love to. And I consider that a great honor, but I have many more bridges to be built. And don't we all? For there are people who are lost that if they die tonight, they go to hell. There are people who are hurting that we pass by every day and some will even serve us food. And I wonder if the service will be more important than themselves. There are people who are angry, people who are full of hate, 
people who are prejudiced. But they're all looking for the same thing, believe it or not. And therein lies the problem. But in every one of us, there's this inner want for hope, for value. It's interesting, isn't it? From a political standpoint, both parties really want the same thing. They just believe you come by it with different ways. And we may not agree in the end or how and the direction one may choose, but I do know this. No policy in how it's voted, whether it's passed or not, doesn't fix the human condition, but only one, the person of Jesus Christ. And inside everyone, being, if we really believe the word of God, which I'm committed to believe that most of the church no longer does, even though they claim they do. We do not believe that Jesus Christ has the power to change a heart. Because if we did, it would change literally even how we drive. We do not believe that Jesus can forgive sins because Jesus, watch how many people in the name of Christ hold on to someone's injustice wrong. I've seen the unsaved work through divorces better than some people who claim to follow Christ. But I'm here to tell you the word of God is true. And Jesus Christ can do what he said. And the Holy Spirit has a power that you and I can't even begin to fathom if we will get back to being in the people business and what it's about and build bridges. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to build bridges. And here's what I want to do before I begin, because everyone has them. Bridges that need to be built to people that you know who I'm talking about. It could be your neighbor. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. But I'm asking you right now, if we're truly going to be led of the Holy Spirit, who is it that you and I are to build a bridge to? And I remind you very clearly the words of Jesus. Even if you've been wronged, if you claim to be a follower, it's your job to build a bridge, not them. Jesus said, if you come to the altar and you have a brother who has something against you, you are to leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother. If you're a child of the king, a follower of Jesus, you're a bridge builder. And this isn't something God offers he mandates it. As I have built a bridge to you, you are to build a bridge with one another. That's the church. That's the church. And believe it or not, I'm committed to believe. You know why so many people don't come to church? Because we built a moat around God's church and we didn't put a bridge for them to cross. We literally say, you want to come here, then you swim it. You brave the waters. But when you get here, we'll love you. I wouldn't want to be a part of that church. 
even as a follower of Jesus, I wouldn't want to be a part of that church. You see, the goal is not to correct people. The goal is to connect with people. Nowhere in the Bible is my job to correct someone. My job is to connect with someone. Only the Holy Spirit can do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And so you need to hear this. I'll say it again and again. I don't want to win people to Jesus, even though I'm going to read something here, but it's taken out of context. We're going to read it here in a moment. But I don't want to win people to Jesus. I want to woo them to Jesus and watch Jesus win them the way only he can. Love. If you don't believe that, then explain this verse. Love covers a multitude of sins. And my Bible says, if you're married to an unbeliever, your salvation actually sanctifies them. Those are two verses that keep messing with me over and over again. There's something about the power of Christ through me that does what only the power of Christ can do. And that's why he gets the glory, not us. He's an amazing God. Amen. I want to build bridges. I want to build bridges. I want to build bridges. We're in the people business. And so who is it? I'm asking you to take out your notes right now. I want you to write some names down. If someone wants to look over and see who it is, then God will judge them. You know, they should have been writing on their own paper, but dear God, I hope they look over and they see your name. <laughs> okay. Because they shouldn't have been looking in the first place. But I want you to write down, who is it that you need to build a bridge? Who is it that maybe you burn the bridge? I heard an old adage once that I loved. It says, never burn a bridge because you might have to go back later and get more matches. <laughs> I like that. Who needs a bridge to be built? Who needs a bridge that needs to be constructed by you? Make a list. I'm going to talk about that later. You know, John Stott said this, what I believe to be one of the major tragedies in the church today, namely that evangelicals are biblical, but not contemporary while liberals are contemporary, but not biblical. And almost nobody is building bridges and relating the biblical text to the modern context. Wow. Bridge building, but it's going to be easier said than done people. I feel we have failed to do this over so many decades. It's going to be a really difficult thing because numerous studies confirm that the public, especially the media, as well as intellectual leaders, no longer see Christianity as a dominant social force. In fact, six out of 10 Americans feel the church is, irrele is irrelevant. And there are 170 million non-Christians living in our country today, making us now the third largest mission field in the world. And we're less now than 6% of the world's population. And we're the third largest mission field in the world. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. And we're going to talk about building bridges. Building bridges. 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to begin in the 16th verse. Verse 16, here we are. 1 Corinthians 9. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me. If I preach voluntarily, 
I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? You know what he's saying? If I don't do this because I'm compelled by love, then there's something really wrong with me. The gospel isn't something that I present going through the motions. That's why I tell pastors all the time when it comes to preaching, if it doesn't come from your heart, it comes from your head, don't say it. Because it has to be personal. It has to be personal. So what is my reward then? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not misuse my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I'm free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Think about that. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Jesus said what? As I wash feet, you wash feet. If you want to be first, be last. Paul says that in Philippians, we're to have the same nature and attitude that Jesus had, who became a servant, who gave up his life. You and I are supposed to have that same attitude towards others. It's not about getting ahead. It's about helping other people get ahead. Look what he says to the Jews. I become like a Jew to win the Jew. I will look at that word in a minute. To those under the law, I become like the one under the law. So as I may win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like no one having the law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. What Paul wants to see happen is that people know Jesus. Amen to that? That people know Jesus. When he talks about winning, if you know anything about Paul's writings, he will actually say previous to this, it's not I doing the winning, it's the fact that I'm already on the winning team. Therefore, I do all this because I know that God is bigger and that God's gonna do something I can't even begin to imagine. His whole point is this, I become this to woo them, to build a foundation of which God then can do what he can do and save them. It's not to correct people, it's to connect with people. It's not to win them, it's to woo them, because I'm here to tell you this, if you don't love them, how are they gonna ever experience God's love? And so I wanna talk about bridges, who to build a bridge to, and I'm gonna talk quickly how we can do it. Here's the first thing I want you to write in. We need to build a bridge to the lost. We need to build a bridge to the who? the lost. I love this story. I think you'll appreciate it. It's about a pastor who called one of their recent visitors. Someone had checked out their church and he got their number and was calling them. When he made the call, a small voice answered on the other end with a whisper. Hello. The pastor asked, who is this? The quiet voice said, it's Jimmy. The pastor asked, how old are you, Jimmy? The soft voice said, four. The pastor then asked, Jimmy, can I can I speak to your mom? To which Jimmy said, she's busy. Well, can I speak to your dad then? He's busy too. 
are there any other adults at home than just you? He said, yes, the police. (laughs) Can I speak to one of them? They're busy. (laughs) Well, who else is there? Some firemen. Can you put one of them on the line? They're busy too. All right, Jimmy. Jimmy, you got to tell me, what are they all busy doing? I love what Jimmy said. They're looking for me. (laughs) I want to tell you, there are a lot of people hiding, just like little Jimmy. It's not as fun, though. They're hiding for all kinds of reasons. Some for shame, guilt, sin. There's a lot of people really hiding, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They knew something's wrong. And they felt like they couldn't be in the presence of Almighty God. But see, here's what I like the story. You and I need to be like Jimmy's parents, the police and the firemen. We need to be looking for Jimmy. And we'll exhaust whatever we can to find him. See, I'm I'm asking God, you know, we are just currently at Disney. And you know, we go down there all the time, love being there. And uh, I remember years ago, my mom and I and dad, we were talking about it as we were at Epcot and reminded when we were out just walking around as families, my sister and her kids were with us and We got over to, if you will, to one side of the park. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. There's a ride in there. It's a place called The Land. And that's where the Nemo ride is. And there's also a ride called Soarin', which is one of my favorites. It's a virtual ride where you sit and you're looking at a screen, but you feel like you're in the event of what they're showing. We had just finished being on there and we were getting ready to go to the other side where Test Track is and and, uh, go on that ride. When we got halfway across... And my mom said, where's Jordan? And I've still, as you can see, I still feel that emotion as I did back then. We looked around and our little girl was gone. I've shared this with you before, but it's been my prayer. As I was on this vacation and out my prayer walks every morning, I would sit there and say, God, I don't want to lose that heart that I would care so much about your creations that don't know you as I did for my daughter who does. And there'd be this overwhelming sense of deep pain and angst in my heart that when I think about someone who doesn't know Christ, I'm like, where are they? Because I want them to know Jesus. I want them to experience that love. And that what Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. I don't know if you've heard these words before, but throw out a lifeline across the dark wave. There's a brother whom someone should save. Somebody else, oh, who then will dare to throw out that lifeline, his peril to share? Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, somebody is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is sinking today. Throw out the lifeline with hand quick and strong. Why do you tarry? Why linger so long? He is sinking. So hasten the day and out with the lifeline. There's someone to save. We need to build a bridge to the disenfranchised. 
I want you to write that down. Let me tell you who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who are just tired of church. They're tired of Christianity. See, I don't believe that they're tired of Jesus as much as they're tired that we're not. They're tired of hearing of who we're against rather than who we're for. And I'll say it again, our job is not to win them, but to woo them. And God will do what he said he would do. But there's a lot in this country. They're tired of the church. Now, I want to say this by way of, if, if, if this will help, that part of their frustration is only an excuse to justify their life, so they're looking for someone to blame. I get that. Because I have people come up to me quite often and they'll say, listen, I'm just tired of the church. I've been hurt by the church. And I said, wow, really? Like you get around more than I do. And they go, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, you said you're tired by the church. You know how big the church is? There's a lot of churches and every one of them have hurt you. And they'll go, no, no, I didn't say that. And I literally will look at them now and I say this, then don't push back against something that's beautiful, that's God's wife, just because one or two who don't get it right. I'm tired of the excuse. I'm just tired of the church. And I just bring it right out. I have a, I, I've just had the privilege of building a relationship with certain people and I just simply tell them, you know, I'm tired of hearing that because I pastor a church that's full of amazing people. And I think that Satan's got you right where he wants. And I don't think this is about the church. I think this is more about you. And I'd love to talk about that. And God has opened doors where I've had the privilege of starting to walk with people in beautiful ways. Yeah, they were hurt by the church. I wasn't there whether justified or not. The bottom line is this, is you and I are going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. But here's what I'm learning. People don't do this. Who People who are willing to say, I blew that. Will you forgive me? You and I don't have to be perfect. We just need to be honest. And if we make a mistake on behalf of others, when someone says, listen, the church hurt me, I'm sorry for that. Have I ever done that to you? And they'll go, no. And I said, okay, then let's put that aside and let's start walking ahead to what really matters. I'm sorry for that, but they still need Jesus and we still need to build bridges. Amen to that. Here's a third one, the church. Let me explain. We have got to stop these denominational wars. And you ready for this? And personal ideologies. We have got to stop it. I have deep, deep beliefs of what I believe the Bible says. But why should that separate us from what really matters more? We have people over here calling themselves Christians saying, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, hakuna matata. Does that help? <laughs> no worries, man. Now, I'm not making light of that. I believe in the gift of tongues. But why should we let that separate us from the incredible testimony and impact of God's love to the world around us? 
There's people who believe once you're saved, you're always saved. We have people over here that believe that you can lose your salvation. Here's what I believe. Let's just teach people to be in the green pasture where Jesus is, and it really doesn't matter then, does it? I'm not looking for a fence line of eternal security, nor am I looking for a fence line of eternal guilt. I just want to be where Jesus is and teach you to do the same because if I'm in the palm of Jesus' hands, no one can snatch me out of it. But why should that separate us? Why do we do that? I go to this church because I like the music. Who cares? You really think that God's asking you, tell me what kind of music I need to play in heaven so you can enjoy it there. (laughs) See, I'm committed to believe this. If you hate rap, it's going to be rap in heaven. (laughs) Because you know what God's going to say? It isn't about you. And if that bothers you, you know what Jesus said? Well, you're probably not going to be in heaven because it's still about you. Who are you to tell me the music I need to play? Who are you to tell me the only music that I can anoint? I remember years ago when I brought, and some of you remember this, I brought some friends. He has a hip hop church out in, out in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, loving Troy Evans. He's a brother, man. Just love this guy. And he's got a downtown inner city hip hop church. I went to that church. Now I'm here to tell you, there was nothing remotely close to what we just did. It was un, it was all rap for Jesus. And they literally packed that place out and they're just like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And, and they're just up there. And I mean, it's crazy. And if you've ever seen it, I mean, it's just like, I mean, they're just rapping. I'm dude, I'm a white dude standing there going, oh my goodness, what just hit me? I'm just being honest with you. I brought that team to church here because Troy Evans is a man of God, anointed of God, and they're reaching thousands of people in a relative way. And I brought him here, but I didn't tell you, I didn't warn you. I did it for a reason. And for two songs, they came out and it was a and, and no kidding. I'd never, I've seen quiet in here. That was quiet. <laughs> you all just, I mean, there's people looking at the stage. Afterwards, I had people tell me that they were getting ready to get up and leave. I want you to think about that. I just want you to think about that. See, you, you don't have to like this. That's not building a bridge. That's burning a bridge. Because that's about you and your preference rather than what God's doing. Here was the game changer because I knew it was coming. And I, I'm, I'm sitting right down front here going, dear God, please no one leave. Please no one leave. God, keep them. I don't care. Sit them, glue them to their teeth. I don't have, whatever. I'm just praying, God, don't let them leave because I knew it was coming. And you might remember one of the young men said, I, w- I want to thank you for having us here. And I just want to tell you my story. I don't know who my dad is. I don't know who he is. I know what it's like to have a dad in my life. I look out and see a lot of dads in this room. I don't know what that's like. And he starts to tell a story about how he was going down a road, but he came to this church. And God saved him. 
And Troy became a dad in an unbelievable way to him. And that young man's name is Stephen Malcolm, who's now one of the hot rap Christian artists who travels around the world telling the incredible news about Jesus. And every one of those people who said, you know, we were thinking about leaving until he shared his story. And then we put the words of that song as he talked about his hate and his anger towards his dad, but how God began to forgive. And by the end of the song, the song is saying, but dad, I forgive you, even though I don't even know you. And there were people with tears. Please hear this. White, Midwestern, farm families with tears. And how many of them told me, I'm so glad, Pastor, I didn't leave. That's building a bridge. You see, in the church, there's so many of these ideologies that are hurting us. And it's going to be a little hard to tell the world that they need Jesus if we keep acting like we don't. Because Jesus said these words, look at the screen. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples. If we have what? Love for one another. We don't have to see eye to eye, but we are mandated by God to walk hand in hand, heart to heart, love to love. Listen, when I get in my car, I'm sure I don't play the kind of music you like. I play the kind of music God likes, country. And <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, you ain't going to be in heaven. You ain't going to be in heaven. <laughs> but but I, I know that you probably don't play everything I like. I don't play everything you like. There's probably things that you see on television that I don't see, movies you'd go to that I wouldn't. But here's what I do know. There's a God who built each one of us handcrafted us, specifically made us and created in the image of God. He loves that you love that style and preference because I'm pretty sure for the most part, he put it in you. He loves the preference I and he's okay with that. He says, just continue to link arm hand in hand, heart to heart. And together we can reach people for Jesus and build bridges and so I just want to encourage you, don't get so wrapped in what you like. Get wrapped up in who God loves. Amen? And it's okay. Keep liking that, okay? Keep liking it. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't let it be a division, a chasm, a gap between what really matters more. So let me offer some thoughts in building bridges. Here's the first one. Be present in their lives. I want you to add these words, go to them. Say that with me, go to them. <laughs> it didn't work once, but I'll try to make it. Read my lips, go to them. <laughs> go to them. The first two letters of the word gospel are what? The first two letters of God's name is? The first words written in the call of the great commission is what? Go, make disciples of all people in all nations. Go. 
go. We got to quit waiting for people to come, come. I think it was the mandate that God gave his son, go. And he was born in a manger. And I want you to go and lay down your life. And he did. Jesus came to us by the very gospel of God. Go. I love these people. I love every one of them. I don't want to see them be separated from me. And he sent his very own son. And it's the words that Paul wrote in Romans 10. How can they call on the one who they've not believed in? And how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You know that they are the lost, the disenfranchised brothers and sisters sitting next to us. We got to go. We got to build bridges. He expects us to do as he did. Folks, the greatest bridge that ever was built was God sending his son. Amen. Amen. And he wants us to do the same. Let me tell you a personal story. Her name is Stacy Thurry. She lives in Parkston. Stacy's part of our planting network. She felt the call of God that she was to start a house church when we went into the COVID pandemic, but they were struggling to get people to come. So instead on her prayer time, she says, God, I'm tired of people not coming. Will you point me to where they are? And she found herself at the Abbott house in Mitchell a residential treatment facility for girls ages 10 through 17. She simply starts with a devotion and then waits to see how God's going to lead it. She consistently points back to the Bible and tells the kids, I'm just telling you what I believe, but it's up to you to dig in and make sure that you understand why you believe what you believe. Two girls this past week came for the first time. When they came in, one of the girls asked, are you the pastor? She said, yes, I am. She said, I'm surprised you're a woman. So we talked about it. They were also surprised by my response to their questions about their tattoos, their piercings, their dyeing of their hair. They asked me if I believe that members of the LGBTQ community or those that commit suicide will go to heaven. They were expecting condemnation based on past experiences but instead I talked with them about love, compassion, and how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that his blood is good enough to cover anyone's sin. And what started for Stacy there has now gone into Parkston in a place called Our Home. It too is a residential treatment facility for boys and girls ages 12 through 17. The facility houses up to 36 kids. Listen to the questions these kids are asking her. Why did God create humans that make bad decisions? How do I deal with the fact that I don't know if he's there or if I'm understood? Why is there loneliness? Why am I so lonely? Will I go to hell if I like the same sex? If someone commits suicide, what happens? Is God a man? Does he have male parts? Does gender really matter? Why does God allow pain? Is there a right way to pray? 
Here's a quote from Stacy. About halfway through the conversations, I got the, why did you decide to come here anyway? It was awesome to see that for a few of them, it seemed that the gospel was making sense. And for the first time, four of them have requested Bibles. If we could learn to build the bridge of just listen. No answers. No response. Just listen. Ask questions. Learn. Let them talk about themselves. And just love. Just love. If we could learn to just do that, to go where they're at. You know, yesterday, last night, I was at the storm game. My son-in-law and, of course, my daughter, his wife, took several kids, I think it was 13 of our youth, but they just put bags together and they took the kids down to just give them to the homeless to find them where they're at and just serve them. The kids were so ecstatic about doing it and said, we'd rather do that again than come to the game. We'd rather go out and just do that. It was so much fun for them. We have another life group that says we're not going to get caught up in this whole idea of pro-life, pro-choice, all of that. But we're just going to put bags of goodies together and we're just going to find those gals who are, if you will, sacrificing their own child where they're saying, we're going to put our child up for adoption. And so we want to focus on them. And they're already getting back from the law offices that oversee those, telling them how much appreciative they are and what they're hearing from the gals as they give them robes, not just any robe, but a plush robe and goodies to say, wow, we can't imagine the choice and the sacrifice you're making, but we want you to know we love you. And we're here and we're going to walk with you, whatever you need. It's so much of that stuff going on. We're going to where they are and letting love be our guide. Let love compel us being where they are at. That's what Paul wrote. He says, we are to be Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You've heard me say it before. You can always impress someone at a distance, but if you really want to impact them, you got to get up close and personal. My friends, Jesus didn't come from heaven to be distant from hell. Jesus came from heaven to storm hell's gates. We need to be present in people's lives. That's the first thing. Just, I love, I love you. Building that bridge, it all starts. I will tell you this. If it's not first a bridge of love, there's no gospel to follow. We need to be present in their life. Here's number two. Be purposeful with your life. Not just go to them, but give to them. And I'm just going to offer one thing. Give them your house. I will tell you, I still believe with all my heart. 
the ramifications of COVID we've yet to still see. We got all wrapped up in the physical and the medical. But the mental and emotional, that wave is still coming and it'll be a bigger tsunami than you can imagine. Because you and I are not created for loneliness. We were not created to put masks on our face. We are called to have a smile and we are called to engage people. That's where our energy comes from. And more than ever, people need to be in your home. I know some are saying, I get cautiousness. I get all of that. And I'm encouraging you all this. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you to really seek God. Let God be your guide. But we have got to open up our homes because the gospel, listen to this. The gospel was not meant to be preached and or posted. It was meant to be demonstrated by the way you live, love, and treat others. And the best way that'll happen, and really the only way, is when you let people get up close and personal. Let them see how you live. Let them know that the person they see in public is the same person in private. Let them be in your world. I heard it said, hospitality takes a stranger and makes them a neighbor, and then takes that neighbor and makes them family. That's what Jesus did. We need to connect with people. I call these Matthew parties. You can read it in Luke 5, where Matthew was a tax collector, one of the most hated in the Jewish world, because they would exploit the people all the time and how they could get finances. And they would use people, and people hated them. And Jesus comes along and rescues him. And the very thing that Jesus does is he goes to his house and throws a Matthew party. And all of Matthew's sinner friends come to hang out with Jesus. The gospel says that he was the head of the party. He was the center. And Jesus loved them. Do you know what the church did? The church goes, how could he be the Messiah? What's he doing eating with sinners? And you know what Jesus said? That's what I came for. I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. I came for those who are broken and need someone to touch them. It was a game changer for Matthew and I'm sure it was a game changer for his friends. Jesus was a man who was identified by being a friend of sinners. Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. Jesus was accused of being a sex mongrel. Jesus was labeled by the church community as someone that doesn't even, even get it. But I think we'd all say Jesus got it. Jesus didn't care what the world said about him. He knew who he was and he came to a broken world to be with them and let him get up close and personal. Jesus loved it. Jesus just loved it. And we're to be like Jesus, are we not? I want to invite the team out here. There's a book out that I'd encourage you to get. The author's name is David French. It's called Divided We Fall. I just want to read the opening so you'll get the gist of the story. Here's what he writes. The continued unity of the United States of America can no longer be guaranteed. At this moment in history, there's not a single important culture, religion, 
politic or social force that is pulling America together more than it's pushing it apart. We cannot assume that the continent-sized, multi-ethnic, multi-faith democracy can remain united forever, and it will not remain united if our political class cannot and will not adapt to an increasing diverse and divided American public. We lack a common popular culture. Depending on where we live and what we believe, we watch different kinds of television, we listen to different kinds of music, and we often even watch different sports. We increasingly are living separate lives with each other. We increasingly believe different things. America is secularizing at a rapid rate. We increasingly loathe our political opponents. The United States is in the grip of a phenomenon called negative polarization. In plain English, this means that a person belongs to their political party. I already told you this, not so much because they like their own party, but because they hate and fear the other. Moreover, each of these realities is set to get worse. Absent unforeseen developments, the present trends are all self-reinforcing. Clustering is feeding extremism. Extremism is feeding anger. And anger is feeding fear. But, and you all know how much I love big butts, but the hope is still in Jesus and his people. We're in a people business. It's time to build bridges. It's time to be intentional. It's time to let the Holy Spirit lead in ways we've never let it led before. It's time to build bridges with people who don't think like us, who don't vote like us, who don't view the sacred like us. In fact, it's time to build bridges with those who don't like what we like and may even hate what we revere. But God still loves them. And you don't have to worry about what to say, whether it be right or wrong. If love is your guide, the Holy Spirit will be your voice. And the Holy Spirit will always get it right. You see, God isn't going to ask us what kind of car we drove, but I guarantee you he will ask how many people we drove who didn't have transportation. Last night, one of the homeless said to one of our young people, I used to go to your church. The young person said, why don't you anymore? I can't get there. And then said, y'all need to get some transportation that you could come pick us up and then we could go. But uh, what the hell? Who cares, right? God isn't going to ask us what square footage of our home was, but he'll definitely ask how many people we welcomed into it. God isn't going to ask us about the clothes we have in our closet, but he will ask how many people we help clothe. God isn't going to ask us about our social status, but he will ask what kind of class we displayed towards others. God isn't going to ask how many material possessions we own, but he will ask if we are quick to share them. 
God isn't going to ask what we did to help others, but he will ask what we did. He won't ask what we did not to help others, but he will ask what we did to help others. God isn't going to ask how many friends we had. He will ask how many people to whom we were a friend. God isn't going to ask what we did to protect our rights, but he will ask what we did to protect the rights of others. God isn't going to ask in what neighborhood we lived, but he will ask how we treated our neighbor. We're in the people business. We build bridges. We build bridges with people who seem to be so far or so left and not even remotely in the same planet that we are. Because we build that bridge because we know that we had the privilege one day of crossing that bridge ourselves. And it changed everything in us. And if we truly cross that bridge, then God says, I need you to go back across it. And I need you to rescue the perishing, care for the dying. You know the old hymn. That's what he called us to do. I close with a story and I'm going to go back to the archive of Celebrate. Years ago, we did a series about sex rocks. We wanted to look at the dysfunction of it and so I was privileged to meet someone. Her name is Heather Veach. She's known as the Holy Hottie. She's out of Vegas, used to be a stripper down in Vegas and she came and she had her black on and bleach blonde hair and, and uh, we sat on the stage and her and I just exchanged conversation. Some of you might remember the story. I said, Heather, how did this all begin? And she said, you know, when I got saved, I did what so many do. And maybe it was the right thing. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not here to argue it. She said, but I did what everyone would do. I quickly went in and had my hair dyed to its original color. She said, I literally put on long dresses. She said, I almost looked Amish. She said, I put them on to make sure they went past my knees. I put my hair up in a bun and I grabbed a Bible and I started going to church. I did that for about three years. She said, until I went in to get my hair done and I'm sitting there and the gal doing my hair says, I know you. You were one of the strippers, weren't you? She said, there was some shame in my heart at that moment. And she said, I said, yeah. And she looked at me and she says, do you remember so-and-so? She goes, yeah. The so-and-so was one of my stripper mates. She said she died last week. And it was then that Heather started crying. And she said, I heard the voice of God say, you ran out of the fire and left all of your friends to be burned. She said, I looked at the gal and I said, bleach the hair. I had it bleached. I went and got rid of my dresses. I put jeans back on and a t-shirt. She said, I went back to the stripping industry, not to strip. I went back to rescue my friends. I went back to rescue my friends. I've never forgotten that. How many unsaved people do you hang out with right now?
When's the last time you sat with someone who's on the political other side? Instead of arguing, befriend them and listen. Do you know your neighbors, really? See, it's time for us to get back in the people business because that's what it means to be the church. It's time for us to get out into the world and be the kingdom of God. Loving, caring, and watch what God can do that only he can do. Amen to that? It's time to build bridges. Father, I pray that this word Like Paul said, I become all things, whatever it takes. Being present in people's lives to the weak, to the lost, to the disenfranchised, to brothers and sisters that maybe something is wedged between us. But what Paul's saying is, I'm going to do whatever it takes to build bridges, not walls, not chasms, not gaps. It's, It's time to stop talking about that. Those are very real in the world. There's always going to be people, if we could say, on the other side. But our job is to build bridges so they can experience God. We're mandated to go. We're mandated to give. That we would exhaust our lives as you did to us for the sake of another. No greater love than we'd lay down our lives. No greater love than that. God, may that be our heart. May that be our desire. And ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone says. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.